Good morning. Please turn to John 15. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he trims clean so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We are indeed in John 15 today, so you're in the right place. Thank you, Ken. Um, before I was, uh, before, just before I got up here, uh, Kevin Clark came and handed me a note, and he said that there was a fellow named Mark Morin, who I don't know, Mark Morin, uh, who uh, came here for a while, perhaps did some, uh, was walking along his spiritual journey at this place, and uh, Kevin has found out that uh, Mark is this evening going to be baptized in Ottawa, and so we praise the Lord for that. And there's a special prayer request here that uh, God would continue to protect him and his faith and family as they uh, move forward. I, I don't know that Mark's wife is making the same decision that he's making, so there's potential for division there within the family, I suppose, as he makes this choice for Jesus. And so I'd just like to ask God to bless him uh, today. Let's pray. Father, I don't know Mark Morin, uh, but I am thrilled that he has made a decision to become your child. And I pray that you'd bless him as he takes that new step in you. Father, I pray that you'd be with him uh, as he grows in you. Uh, help him to be a great example to his family. And I pray that they would be able to, with time, go along with him in this decision and make a, a decision like what he's making. Father, thank you that our church somehow had an impact on him and that he is now making the decision to be a child of yours. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you are a hockey fan or not. If you have been following the Calgary Flames, your, your heart is probably on the precipice, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Up until last night, they'd lost six out of seven, which wasn't good. And they're not being helped by the teams around them. Anaheim continues to win, Nashville, LA Kings, the only team that maybe isn't is maybe coming back to us a little bit of the Dallas Stars. And um, so we need to be praying about that. But um, <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this whole notion of, uh, of this slide on their parts and just the comparison between that downward slide on the part of the flames, which we did see some turnaround last night, so there's a glimmer of hope there, but this downward slide that also exists within our world. You know, when, when I look at the world and where it's at, sometimes I think we've lost six out of seven. And we're on the road to being put out of the playoffs here, metaphorically speaking. And we need to have some hope at the same time that things could turn around 
And so there is perhaps a glimmer of hope, but I think the hope comes with the gospel. The hope comes with the good news of Jesus. That's what really is going to turn things around. And we, of course, want God to work and to, in fact, turn things around. What I want to do right now is I want to just get some feedback from you. I want you to just kind of shout out from your seat where you're at. Tell me, what are the signs in our world from your perspective that we've actually lost six out of seven, that we really aren't going in a very positive direction? Now, you might have a difference of opinion about that. You might think, actually, things look really good. But I'm, I'm of the opinion that things don't look so good in our world in general. And I'd like to hear from you some indications of the signs that kind of say, yeah, things aren't really going all that well. What do you think? Broken marriages. Okay, broken marriages. I heard something over here. On the radio last week, there was an announcement that uh, uh, religion is becoming extinct in our society. We have outgrown God and we no longer need Him. Okay, religion is becoming extinct in our society. We've outgrown God. We no longer need Him. Okay. What's that? Government corruption. corruption. Okay. Yeah, and actually that's a very new thing too. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, of course. Like that that kind of thing is rampant. We look around the world and it's everywhere. Natural disasters. Natural disasters. Oh, isn't it amazing? The things that we have watched in our world recently take place. You just wonder what will be the next one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole image of what it means to be family in our society has changed. And, and that has all taken place, by the way, since I was a little boy. Because when I, when I was a kid, I remember so clearly, it was still pretty much mom, dad, and the kids. And it is not that way anymore, for sure. Margaret, you had your hand up. The way the elections occur? No, you have three elections in Canada in seven years. Oh, okay. And you just feel like that's too many. <laughs> okay. Absolutely a political statement and an opinion right there. Okay. Somebody else? Curtis? I think divisiveness is kind of taking itself to a whole new level. Divisiveness? Yeah. Okay. Taking itself to a whole new level. What do you mean by that? Well, just everyone has arguments, but it seems like they want to fight to the death for them. Okay. Okay. Everyone has arguments, but, and they just refuse to give in. Okay. Glenn, did you say something else? I just said wars. Wars. Yeah, there's an awful lot of that going on, of course. Kevin? Yeah, a deepening amazement in man's creation and a deepening lack of amazement in God's creation. Okay. Uh, for those of you who couldn't hear that, Kevin said, a deepening amazement at, at man's creation, the handiworks of man, and less amazement at the handiworks of God. Yeah, I agree. Manna. The gap between the rich and the poor. It seems to be growing, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree. I saw a hand back there. Jim? Okay. Okay. You know, the fact is, he, he was talking about David Suzuki and his, uh, his opinions and how they get propagated in society, and that's more significant for public opinion than, what, uh, than God's view of things. And I, I, you know, I think that's true, but that's generally true of science, isn't it? 
science has become so much the authority within our world and certainly authority for what the future is going to be like all right, and what we need to do about it. And sometimes I think uh, the real answer there, of course, is prayer. For God to intercede in our world would be so much more significant. Okay. There is a great lack of contentment, I agree. Like in general, people are not content. In fact, in general, people are not happy. In fact, in general, people are more miserable, I think, than they have been ever, which is striking. We have everything, and yet people aren't happy. Self-preservation over, Self -preservation over group preservation. Yeah. I wasn't even going to get so deep. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, like, like, it's amazing to me the way that uh, what I want and what I think is the priority and not very concerned necessarily about you or, or about the group. That's, uh, that's definitely true. Charles. Strange diseases. Yeah. Things are different in that way too. I agree. Yeah, there's just so much that is happening in our world, and, you, and we look at it, and we've done this a lot lately on Sunday mornings, just kind of remarked on the fact that our world is, is in a strange way. It, it just seems to be uh, so many things are in disarray, and you wonder, what is it that is going to turn this around? And of course, as God's people, I'd like to think that we're all of the opinion that what could potentially turn around a world that is in disarray is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You know, so often we think in terms of the good news of Christ as being kind of a privatized things. Uh, Jesus came to forgive my sins so that I can go to heaven. And He definitely did that. He, Jesus came so that I can have my sins forgiven and so that I can be in heaven. There's no doubt about that. But the ministry of Jesus and the, the gospel's impact on our world is so much, it's so much broader than that because the kingdom of God is designed to alter everything, not just my sins to be forgiven, but for everything to change in light of what Jesus has done. And I think that, that this is where our passage this morning is going out of John chapter 15. So if you're not there yet, it is on page, I think that was 794 in the Pew Bibles. John 15, the passage that Ken read, and it really is a beautiful passage talking about the impact that Jesus wants to have in our lives and in the world. And so I think we have a tremendous opportunity for one thing. I am the true vine, John 15. I think we have a tremendous opportunity. I think we also have some keys to fruitfulness that we need to kind of work on this morning. And here's what I'd like to do. I want to divide the congregation right down the middle here so that Grace is on one side and Barb is on the other, okay? And I want this side to give some thought for a few moments this morning. I want you to read through these first eight verses, uh, uh, the first four verses of John 15, and I want you to think about this notion of the great opportunity that we have as the church of Jesus Christ to see things different in our world. What we've said a few moments ago is that the world is heading in a direction and it's not very positive. How is it that the church of Jesus Christ 
as expressed in the first four verses of John chapter 15, has an opportunity to see things different. And then, this half, I want you to work on verses 5 through 8 and just go through that for yourself and look and talk about or think about what are the keys to fruitfulness. If the kingdom is going to have a fruitfulness in our culture and to actually have an impact so that things are changed, how is that going to happen? Okay? Look at those verses, this side over here, verses 1 through 4, this side over here, verses 5 through 8, in John chapter 15, and just reflect on those issues for the moment. What is the great opportunity we have? What can happen? And then the fruitfulness, what's the, what are the keys to that? If it's going to happen, what's going to be the keys to making it happen? What are the good things that can happen? What are the opportunities that are there within the gospel for us? Let's start with this group over here of very intelligent people, fine Bible students who are going to give us explanation this morning about what the opportunities are there for us in seeing our world change, okay? Yes, Hope, I meant everybody. Okay? You're all intelligent. You all can do this. Hope was questioning some of the people here about whether or not they were qualified, and I just don't... I think we're all qualified. Okay, excellent. Okay, somebody give me some things in that passage, but yet it's got to come from the verse. What kind of things in those verses, in verses 1 through 4, are things that can happen? What can be of benefit to our world what can be a benefit within the church? Recognition of who the source is. Okay, recognition of who the source is. And, and when you say that, like in terms of vine language, you're saying? Um, realize what, where your connection is and where, where your roots are and uh, take advantage of that. Okay. Because we can't do this by ourselves. Okay, we can't do this by ourselves, but we have this vine. And the vine makes it very clear that if we stay attached to him, there's some good things that can happen. For sure. Steve? Okay. And we'll bear even more fruit. So I'm not yeah. sure what that means, but I'm assuming it means that the Holy Spirit will, will fill us and we'll be able to do even more service in His name. Okay, I think so. You know, this whole notion of cleaning, like when you think of a branch, you think, well, you don't get out the Lysol and scrub a branch or something. That's not the idea. But the trimming, the trimming of a branch and pruning it and making it so that it would flourish is the notion of cleaning up, up that branch, okay, for sure. Something else. Carly? I think that um, we'll provide in the Lord that people see it, and so they, um, if they need to Sure. Yeah, you, you stay attached to the vine, and someone looks at you and says, now there's a, a, a branch of Christ, and that positively impacts their lives, that's for sure, okay? Something else, anything else? An opportunity that we have that's expressed in those verses? Dominic. Yeah. 
Yeah, if we bear fruit, that like there's just something there that goes into the world that's a blessing to them when we're the branch that God wants us to be. We can have positive influence for sure. I agree. Well, here are, the, here are the ways in which I worded for myself the things that I saw in this passage. First of all, branches that bear fruit for the Lord are pruned to produce more. It's kind of what Steve was saying. And I do think that there is a, a, a definite pruning that will take place in our lives. Don't you sometimes feel like you are... Um, being prepared for something by God. Sometimes God puts you in a position that out of that position, you end up growing and are afforded opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have. And sometimes you think, oh Lord, what are you doing right now? This doesn't look good. But then something happens in that situation and you end up being stronger. You end up seeing opportunities that you otherwise would not have seen. God sometimes prunes us and makes us able to produce more through the pruning that we receive, and and the fact that we can produce more fruit puts us in a much better position to impact our world. Number two, we may be cleaned by His Word. He prunes and prepares. And the, the emphasis there I wanted to put was on the notion of His Word. Like the passage specifically says that His Word cleans us up. And so if we're not in touch with the Word, if something isn't happening with the Word in our lives, then the cleansing that needs to take place won't take place the way we need it to. Number three, we can remain in Him and bear fruit. I love this word remain, or the older translations would say abide. It's a great word. Abide in Him. Remain in Him. It's like the notion of, of be. I'm going to be in Jesus, and I'm, I'm going to dwell there and live there. And when that's happening, something positive takes place for us. And then number four, we can be ever more fruitful. Like the fruitfulness is not limited, it's expanding. And we can, we can expand our influence in our world for sure. And God wants to do that through the pruning and through uh, our, us bearing fruit and then therefore bearing more fruit. Okay, over here. Some keys to fruitfulness. If we're going to be fruitful in Christ, if we're going to have the impact on our world that we want to have, what are some of those keys expressed in verses 5 through 8 that indicate to us how we, we can be in order to be fruitful? Remain in Him. Remain in Him. Again, this notion of abide, that word appears several times in this passage. Uh, the, uh, abiding, to, to dwell with, stay with, be in that's a, a key concept. We, you know, one of the worst things in the world that we could do for ourselves is just come to church on Sunday morning only because it inoculates us against the idea that there's more to our Christianity than that. And of course there is because we're supposed to abide in Him. We don't just make an appearance. We live with Him. Okay? Somebody else? We bring glory to the Father. Yes, we do. And bringing glory to God is so essential to, to what our world needs. The world needs to understand who God is. And somebody made the comment a moment ago that we, you know, we oftentimes see the world or science or whatever getting credit for the kind of things that God needs to be doing in our world. And if we step back for a moment and allow 
God to be glorified for who He is, and we see Him as the Lord of our universe, it makes a huge statement and impact on our world. People today are secularly minded rather than being open to spiritual things. And if we stop and allow people to see the truth of spirituality, it can make a huge difference in our world. What else? What's that? Produce fruit, sure. I've wrestled with this whole notion of exactly what fruit is in this passage. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, um, somebody told me once that to bear fruit meant to evangelize, like to bear fruit was to produce other Christians. And the passage doesn't say that anywhere. And so I've wrestled with that. I think the notion of bearing fruit here is a lot more of uh, bear the fruit of the life for Christ that exemplifies the kingdom. In fact, it's interesting. If you look at the very last verse, or the last two verses before chapter 15, I think it's verses 31, 30 and 31 in chapter 14, and Jesus there talks about uh, um, the relationship that he has with the Father causes him to keep the Father's commands. Am I right about that? Okay. If you look at the first verses after the true vine story, if you look at verse 9 and 10, It says the same thing, but this time it says it for us. Do you see that? Just before this story starts, or these words from Jesus start, there's notion of Jesus himself following the Father's commands, and then right after that, there is the notion of us following the Father's commands, and all of that out of love for him. And it just makes me think that this is so much of what it means for us to bear fruit, that we have a relationship with God that causes us to love him and keep his commands. The whole context seems to be indicating that, and so it just kind of makes sense to me that that's what it means to bear fruit. When we bear fruit like that, our world is positively impacted. What else is a key? Go ahead, Ashley. Yes, he does. Notice again that in the second half of this, in the verses 5 through 8, that again, he talks about his word and the impact that his word has to have. For us to, to somehow think we're going to just do this on our own, uh, number one, without God's spirit, but also without the presence of his word being real and present to us so that we know it and follow it and live it out, we can't get it done. But His powerful Word living within us can transform the world. It can transform society for sure. Something else? Middle section. Middle section in that uh, it's about remaining in Him, but there's a stern warning for those that don't. And uh, that can be taken as a real negative thing or it can be taken positively because it it shows us what's at stake for us personally when we don't remain in Him. Yeah. Like it's... There is this kind of negative idea of punishment or, uh, you know, the burning of the branches, the collecting of those if we don't remain in Christ, that's for sure. But that is definitely a testimony to us about the significance of what we're talking about here. This is important to God. He takes it very seriously, the impact that we need to have in our world. And so I I appreciate very much that notion being in there. Uh, Scares us a bit. But there's so much uh, positive here that balances that out in terms of being all that God wants us to be and having the positive impact in our world. Helps drive us there for sure. One more thing. Anything else that you see that... Go ahead, Lorraine. Uh-huh.
Yeah, I agree. Thank you very much. It's interesting that she mentioned, you know, the I am statement. There's a, a, um, a notion of emphasis here. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, that in Greek that says, I, I am the true vine. And the notion of abiding in him, not just abiding anywhere, but specifically abiding in Christ, who says this about himself, is absolutely crucial for us. You know, the world would love to have us think that there are all kinds of options for us religiously. We can, you know, we can pray to anybody and you can worship anybody and it just doesn't matter. Jesus is very clear about who he thinks he is. He's the true vine, he says. I am. And if he is, then we go there. And the world has a chance to be changed because we've gone there in light of who Jesus is. Well, I think there's a powerful call in these verses for us this morning. Um, these are the things that I thought, by the way, in terms of key to fruitfulness. Remain in me and I in you. These, we said all these things. My words must, must, must remain in you. Ashley said that. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Uh, we didn't talk so much about that, but I, I definitely think, by the way, that the, the context for asking whatever you wish has to do with abiding in Him. So that because I'm abiding in Him, I end up asking for exactly the right things. If I'm bearing fruit for Him and abiding in Him, the things I ask for are going to be right in line with what God's will is. So it only makes sense that those would be the things that I would definitely receive because I'm asking them in accordance with His will. And then again, remaining in the vine and you'll bear much fruit. Well, we have, I think, this responsibility that is given to us to abide. But it's not just a responsibility. It's an incredible blessing to abide. Like Jesus says in places things like, my commands are not burdensome. And what he really calls us to here, more than anything else, is not keeping of the commands to make sure that we're not one of those branches that's gathered up and burned. What he's calling us to is relationship. He's calling us to, to something where we have this abiding life in Him, and because of that, the world recognizes something different about us. Well, that sets us up perfectly to have an impact on those around us the way that we need to have. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to take off our shoes and give it to those who need them. I think that's part of what it means to abide in Him. This week, you're going to have a chance to say something comforting to someone who hurts, a coworker, a friend, someone you hear about, and, and that constitutes abiding in Him. You're going to have the opportunity to, to, maybe even today, but certainly in the next week or so, exemplify before somebody else your own spirituality. Maybe that will come when they challenge you to do something and you say, well, that's not where my life is. I don't do those things because I live for Jesus. And when you live out that kind of abiding in Him, there's the opportunity for the world to be influenced and changed. And I think that's what it means for us to bear fruit, to have an impact on the world around us because Jesus is living in us, we in Him, we abide with Him, 
and the world feels that influence. You have a chance to do that this week. I pray you do. Let's pray. Holy Father, help us to abide in you. Help us to bear fruit for you, to make a testimony to the world of the presence of your kingdom. Father, we want our world to be changed. We believe that you are the source that will change it. Use us powerfully to do so. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.